Well, if you would, let's open our Bibles again to Philippians chapter 3. I've titled the message this morning, Our Commonwealth. I know that sounds like a, a strange title, but I took my title from a word that's found in verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3. For our conversation is in heaven. Now that word conversation in this context typically means citizenship. Sometimes the word conversation might, might mean our walk, the way we conduct ourselves. And usually in this context, we think of the word as citizenship. And often that's, that is, that is what the original Greek word means. But this Greek word, it's the only time it's used in all the scripture. It's a variation of the word that normally means citizenship. It means a commonwealth of citizens. And it means the way in which our affairs are ordered. Now, that sounds kind of technical. I know I'm no Greek scholar and you can look that up the same way I did. And, I hesitate, I don't, you know, I don't want to get bogged down in what all the original Greek and Hebrew words and from the original text of the scripture. But the meaning of this word that's translated here, uh, conversation, does give us a better understanding of what the apostle is saying. Now, you remember back in um, verse 17 or 16, he says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let's all walk by the same rule. Let's mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. And, and then he says, four, verse 20, four. Here's why you follow us like that, four. Follow our example, walk by the same rule, mind the same things, because we're all citizens of the same commonwealth. You follow us as we, as we preach Christ, because we're leading you to Christ. Now, the definition of a commonwealth in the way that we use the, the term today, it means an independent group that's voluntarily grouped together. They're grouped under one head for their common good. People in a commonwealth, they have a shared loyalty. And it's for their, it's all voluntary. Now, doesn't that describe believers? We're commonwealth. We're independently grouped together under Christ, our King. And we're not forced to be in Christ's kingdom. We're not forced to bow to Christ. We volunteer to be there because Christ our King has made us willing in the day of his power. And we're in this commonwealth for our common good. Our purpose is the common good of God's people. And the common good of God's people that we're seeking is the salvation of our souls by Christ our King. We have a common goal. Every believer has a common goal to be found in Christ and to have his righteousness. Not my righteousness, which I earn by the law, but the righteousness which is by faith in Christ. That's our common goal. We have a shared loyalty to and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our common goal. And we also look out for the welfare of each other. Now I said all that to, to, to say this. Being a member of this commonwealth being, being under this system of government, being under Christ our King, that directs what we do. It directs where we trust. It directs our heart's desire. Being under Christ our King, being in this commonwealth, gives us a common heart's desire. And it directs what our end will be. 
So if I have three points, first I want to look at our commonwealth. I want to see what is this kingdom? What is the kingdom and how do I get to be a citizen of this kingdom? Well, this kingdom, God's kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. You know, that's why our conversation is in heaven. He says in verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our, our conversation, our citizenship, where our commonwealth, the head of it resides, is in heaven. So it's a spiritual kingdom. And we need to remember this. This is something that uh, churches, religion in general, and even, even God's church here on earth is, is, is kind of been drawn to talking about the, the governments of this world. Brethren, our kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. We're not fighting with the governments of this world. That's not our battle. Ruling the conduct of this world, trying to get people to conduct themselves the way we want them to conduct themselves in this world is not our battle. That's not the purpose of the church. Our battle, the purpose of the church, is to battle for the spiritual glory of Christ our King. And we're to battle for the souls of men. As we preach, as we glorify Christ our King, we're doing it, battling for the souls of men. Now, we're not trying to get people to make a decision, are we? not trying to get people to do something. But our prayer is, as we exalt Christ our Savior, as we declare and preach His glory, our prayer is that it'll be for the salvation of the souls of men. We glorify Christ so people will look to Him and trust Him, don't we? That's the church's purpose. That is our one and only purpose. Look at John chapter 18. Our Lord could not tell us that more plainly. You know, I've, uh, I have some very strongly held uh, political beliefs and, and beliefs about conduct and so forth, but that's got no place here. Because this is not our battle. Here's our Savior tells us this is our battle. John 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. See, we're not fighting the, the kingdoms of this world because that's not our battle. We're in a spiritual kingdom. And our battle is a spiritual battle. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, Paul said, now we're in the flesh. We are, we're in the flesh, aren't we? But we don't war after the flesh. Our war is not a fleshly war. It's, it's a spiritual war because we're in a spiritual kingdom. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the king of this commonwealth. So our common interest, our common goal, our shared goal is this. It's the glory of of Christ our King. Now he's glorious in everything about his person. He's glorious in everything that he does. All of his will, all of his purpose, everything that he does, every, every character of his attribute is all glorious. There's nothing you can talk about. The Lord Jesus Christ is not glorious. But his glory is most clearly seen in his redemptive glory for his people. And declaring Christ's redemptive glory Declaring it, preaching it to our generation. That's our goal. That's our, that's our common goal. That's our purpose. 
to preach the glory of Christ so that people will know him. Now you think of the message God's given us to preach. Our message is this. It's the glory of Christ. Here, listen how this glorifies our Savior. Christ our King humbled himself to become a man so that he could suffer and die for his people. Christ our King is so rich. He's, he's got all riches. He's in the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I mean, everything is his. Yet he became poor that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Now you name me an earthly king that's done that. Not one. Oh, this, our, our king is glorious. Nothing could be more glorious than the king of kings sacrificing himself for a people who all call themselves the chief of sinners. Everyone of them think I'm the worst. Nobody can be worse than me. That's who Christ sacrificed himself for. Nobody can be worse than them. He found the worst and sacrificed himself to make them righteous. He gave himself Himself, he sacrificed himself, everything that he is, for the most vile, most corrupt sinners that he could find. Also, he could save them by his grace, make them holy and righteous by his sacrifice for them. Now, that is so glorious. Like I said in, in, the, in the lesson this morning, I feel a little bit silly trying to talk about that because the human tongue can't tell. There's not human language to tell the glory of that. Preaching the gospel that declares the glory of Christ our King. That's the common interest of everybody in this commonwealth. It's our purpose to preach it. And I tell you, we have a great interest in hearing it, don't we? We have a great interest in hearing the gospel preached for our own salvation, for our own edification, for our own growth, for our own comfort. And we also have a great interest in preaching the gospel to our children. Eric prayed for our children. We pray for our children all the time. You know why? We have such a great interest in them hearing the gospel. God's given us the responsibility to preach the gospel to them, to teach them the scriptures. You know, if you love your children, you have a great interest in them knowing Christ, don't you? Well, how are they going to know Christ? By hearing the gospel preached. For our loved ones that don't know the Lord, for the people in our community... Oh, I, I pray that the Lord would bring people in, his people in to hear the gospel. I want them to know and trust Christ. Look at, at uh, Philippians chapter 1. See, this is our goal. This, is, this, this controls and directs the way that we conduct ourselves. In verse 27, Philippians 1. Only let your conversation, here the word conversation means conduct. Only let your conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That is our sole purpose, our common interest in this commonwealth under Christ our King. Now that's the kingdom. I like the sound of that, don't you? I sure would like to be a citizen of that kingdom. Well, how do I get to be in this kingdom? How can I be made a citizen of this kingdom? You know, we weren't always in this kingdom. If you're a believer, you weren't always a believer, were you? You can remember a time that you didn't believe Christ. If I wasn't born in this kingdom, in the flesh, 
I was born in the flesh. I was born in the kingdom of the flesh. I was born in the kingdom of the world. So how does a person get from there to being a citizen of this spiritual kingdom of Christ? We'll look at Ephesians chapter 2. First of all, we get in this kingdom, become a citizen of this kingdom by the grace and mercy and love of God. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We walk that way because that's the citizenship of our flesh, isn't it? Among whom also we all had our conversation. This is where our citizenship was in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Oh, but God, who's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, it's by grace. That's how we got in this kingdom. And here's why God did it. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, everybody in this commonwealth, they're not going to boast about what they do. It's not their works. It's not their righteousness. It's not their faithfulness. It's Christ's faithfulness. It's Christ's righteousness. It's by God's grace. That's what we boast in. All right, now look at Colossians chapter 1. We're in this kingdom by God's grace, His mercy and His love. Secondly, we're in this kingdom, the spiritual kingdom by the will and power of God. Colossians 1 verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and He's translated us, He's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now here's how we get into the kingdom of God's dear son, this spiritual commonwealth. God picks up his elect and he moves them from one place to another place. He takes them, he reaches his hand of mercy and grace down and he reaches down and he lays hold on his people who are in the kingdom of darkness and he picks them up and he transfers them into the kingdom of his dear son. See, that's by the will by the choice, and by the power of God. Isn't it? That's how we get in this kingdom. <laughs> and it's by the power of God who has both the right and the power to change us. Our, he has the right to change our citizenship from darkness, from this world, from this flesh, into a spiritual kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. God has the power to translate us, transfer us from the kingdom of Adam to the kingdom of Christ. <laughs> from He has the power to take us and change us from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of Christ. That's his, by His power and by His grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Aren't you thankful for the power of God that He does as He wills? He doesn't wait for us to decide, you know, I'm tired of this kingdom of darkness, I want to move. He doesn't do that because we'd never choose that. 
So he overrides our will. And he takes us from the kingdom of darkness and puts us by his grace into the kingdom of his dear son. And aren't we thankful? All right, number two. That's the, that's the commonwealth we're in. Now, where does everyone in this commonwealth look? You know, every citizen of the commonwealth of Christ, this commonwealth we're talking about, they're looking to Christ. Verse 20 in our text, Philippians 3, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Scripture talks about looking to Christ. Here's what it means. It means to trust Christ. I remember being a little guy. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard Brother Henry say, look to Christ. And I would always think, if you just tell me where to look, I'll look, just tell me. We didn't mean look with these eyes. Looking to Christ means to trust Christ. You look to Christ and you're looking to Him because you depend upon Him for everything. Everything you need. Everything God requires of you, you look to Christ to supply it. Almighty God requires a perfect righteousness. A perfect obedience to the law to be accepted of Him. Well, people who believe Christ, they look to Christ to be our righteousness. We look to Christ to be made the righteousness of God in Him. By His obedience for us. By His sacrifice. God requires a perfect holiness. He requires a nature that's perfectly holy to be in His presence. Well, that's the opposite of us. We can't produce that, can we? But we look to Christ to be our holiness, who's been made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Salvation requires faith in Christ, not our works. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to quit your works. You quit trusting in your works and start trusting in Christ. And in case you don't already know it, you can't produce that faith in yourself. Please don't make the same mistake. I, I wish I could tell you how many years I tried to make myself believe on Christ. We can't produce faith in Christ. But I tell you, we can look to Christ to give it to us. Look to Christ as a beggar. I don't know that whenever I've been in the United States, I've ever been in a place where I've truly seen a beggar. But I've been in Mexico. And buddy, I've seen poverty. And I've seen people who are real beggars. You look to Christ like a beggar who's got nothing. And he's your only hope. I mean, there's some desperation involved in this. There's some seriousness involved in this. I look to Christ as a beggar because if he doesn't give it to me by his grace, I won't have it. Oh, you can't produce righteousness or faith in your. Well, you can't produce righteousness in yourself either, can you? You can't produce faith in yourself, but you sure can't ask God to give it to you. You can do that. Salvation requires a new nature that's not of the flesh. It requires a spiritual nature. You know, if we're going to be in a spiritual kingdom, does it stand the reason you have to have a spiritual nature? Of course you do. Well, we can't produce that. All we can produce is the nature of the flesh. That's all we can produce. I remember when our babies were little. Oh my. Oh my. 
I mean, they were so precious. We just loved them so much. Oh, it didn't take long to see. I gave those precious babies my nature. <laughs> I just lost. I'm sorry, honey. That's all we can produce. Oh, but I tell you what, we can look to Christ to birth that nature in us, can't we? He has the power to do it. Salvation requires that we be faithful to the end. We must be faithful. You have to strive and be faithful all the way to the finish line. You can't quit now. Well, that's discouraging. We can't remain faithful in anything. I mean, we can't keep faithful to do anything. I mean, even fleshly things. Start an exercise regimen tomorrow to lose some weight and see how long it lasts. <laughs> we can't stay faithful to anything. Spiritually speaking, boy, you know that's true. I mean, the slightest thing ruins our liberty, ruins our... <laughs> Brother Henry said one time, he said... I came back from preaching somewhere and came into a study. He said, well, how did it go? I said, well, it went good. I felt like I had some liberty. He said, well, you know, liberty's good. He said, but truth is better. He said, a fly buzzing around can ruin your liberty. I mean, the slightest thing can just take our mind off Christ and just, oh, just derail. The slightest thing can derail us. But I tell you, we can keep looking to Christ. Oh, Lord, we can look to Him and depend on Him to keep us by the power of His grace. See, we can't depend on ourselves for anything. But we sure can depend on Christ for everything, can't we? Look at Hebrews chapter 12. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is telling us here in Hebrews chapter 12. He says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the command of Scripture is look. The command of the gospel is look. Look to Christ. Depend upon Him. Look to Christ. And the writer here tells us, keep looking to Christ. Depend upon Christ and keep depending on Christ. Because He's the beginning and He's the ending of our faith. It all starts and ends with Christ. So keep looking to Him. Now, I know we don't have everything in our possession that Christ has purchased for us. We don't have it in our possession yet. We have it. God's given it to us by faith, but we don't have it in our possession yet. That's why we patiently wait and patiently keep looking to Christ. Now, I tell you, if we're looking to Christ for our salvation, now we're looking to Him for everything. He's everything we need. We're looking to Him for it all. Now, that's a spiritual thing. But that directs the way we live in this life. It, it, live, it directs the way we live our life in this flesh. Right, we're looking forward to the next life. That's our goal. That's our common interest. That's our common goal. We're looking to the next life. But our gospel also directs how we walk in this life. You know, believers are pilgrims, 
We're pilgrims, aren't we? On our, we're, we're on our way home. We're not citizens of this world. God's changed our citizenship. We, we have a citizenship that's in heaven. We have a spiritual country that we're, that we're, that we're citizens of. So our heart's not in this world. Our heart is with Christ. Our heart is in the spiritual kingdom. And I take, now that's where our heart is. Then we ought to live like it. We ought to live like it. And I want to, I want to preach this in such a way. I'm not trying to put a burden on anybody. But I want to encourage you by looking to Christ. This, this directs our heart. You know, we who, who believe. Now we still have the same nature of flesh. Now God's changed our citizenship. He's given us a new nature, but we still have that same flesh, that nature of flesh that we always had. I mean, the flesh is not just the skin and bones. It's also, it's talking about the nature of the flesh. So the ways of this world, the way this world thinks, still appeals to our flesh. You're the nature of selfishness. The nature of just doing whatever it takes to get what I want, no matter who it hurts. That's still in our flesh. It still appeals to our flesh. You know, you, you hear about people trying to get ahead in business and they, they cheat and they hurt people. And they, and we think, what? Yeah, that worked. That's the way to get ahead. It, it still appeals to our You know it's wrong, but it appeals to our flesh. And worse yet, the religion of this world, the religion of this flesh to earn our way to God by how good we are, being good little boys and good little girls and earn our way to God, trying to please God so he'll, so he'll give us more trinkets, that, is still, that still appeals to our flesh, doesn't it? You, you who believe, you fight it every day because it still appeals to this flesh. Well, looking to Christ, that directs how we conduct ourselves in this life. Looking to Christ means we fight against that attitude of selfishness. We fight against that attitude particularly of self-righteousness so that the believers in this world, but we're not of this world. We're not of it. The believer lives our life fighting against the ways of this flesh. And the best way to do that, you think, well, how, how can I fight against this flesh? I'd be so de- I'm just going to be determined to act different. That's not really it. Here's how you do it. Look to Christ. Look to him. Depend upon him. Look to him to, to worship him, to, to depend on him, to be found in him. You have to remember this. The believer, remember the, the parable the Lord told about he, the, the wheat was planted and the, the enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat? Well, the field is the world, the Lord told us. Believers are wheat planted in this world surrounded by a bunch of tares. Now remember this, by God's grace, you're not a tear. He's made you a wheat. He's given you the nature of, of wheat. Not the nature of a tear, the nature of wheat. You're a child of God. Now live like it. And I'm not telling you to go out and, and live so morally and so, you know, up on your high horse that, you know, people say, oh, you know, here's a righteous man. You live like you're a wheat by looking to Christ. By continually depending on Christ. Here's the, here's the trap. Now we ought to live morally. We ought to, we ought to be.
good husbands, good wives, good neighbors, good workers, and people see us, and you'd like to think that they, you know, they, they notice here's a moral man, a moral woman. But if we make that our goal, ooh, you know what that we're going to end up doing? Trusting in ourselves. We're looking for evidence of salvation in ourselves. The nature of the wheat is to keep looking to Christ, to keep depending on Him. How did you first come to Christ? How did God first save you? Was it by your works? No. No, 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 no. He showed you the worthlessness of your works. And you turned to trust Christ, didn't you? Now continue the way you started. Looking to Christ. Depending upon Him. You're not of this world. So you don't have the same goals, the same desires. You, you don't have the same common interest. And the best illustration I could think of that is when I used to go to Mexico every year. Now, I was in Mexico, got off the plane. I was in Mexico. The first time I landed, I looked at Brother um, Dan Morgan and said, we're not in Kansas anymore. I, we're in Mexico. <laughs> it was different. I was in Mexico. But it was obvious. I'm not a Mexican. <laughs> I tried my best when I was there. I, I wanted to, to be a nice guy. Cody would take us down there to the to the market and just everything you can imagine, you know, for sale down there. And not just not just in the pueblos at the churches with the brethren. I'm talking about everywhere we went. I tried to be a nice guy. I didn't want somebody to think I was a selfish, entitled American, you know. And um, I'm an American citizen. I wanted to represent my country. Well, I mean, I wanted to be a nice guy. And while I was in that country. I abided by their laws and, and, and by their customs. I just tried to keep a low profile. And I was there one day, and Brother Walter was watching the news. He, he was very, very interested that they were announcing some change in, in uh, something they were doing. He was very interested to find out what was, what was happening here. I wasn't. I'm not a citizen of that place. That What's going on there doesn't affect me. I was in Mexico, but I'm not a Mexican. And you know, it's just, it's never entirely comfortable to be in a place where you don't know the language and you don't know the customs. I mean, um, when you were in Mexico with Walter Groover and you're depending on Walter Groover to be your translator, I mean, sometimes he'd just leave you. <laughs> you got no idea what anybody's saying. <laughs> One time, Walter was being the, the, the translator for me and Brother Elio. And he started talking to Elio in English and started talking to me in, in Spanish. And Elio and I, <laughs> I mean, we, we just kind of smiled and nodded. You know, neither one of us had to tell Walter, wait a minute, you're doing this wrong. I mean, it's just not comfortable. You don't know what people are saying. You don't know what they're doing or why they're doing it. And I, I love being there. I love going out to those pueblos and preaching and worshiping together. I, I loved it. But boy, when it came time to come home, I was glad. I was glad to get on that plane and come back to the United States. But once we landed, you know, we still had to get through customs. Now, while we were in the United States, but we had to get through this before I could come back to Ashland. You had to have a passport. You had to have the right credentials to show you belong. You had to have a passport. So I'm a citizen. I belong here. I remember one time I came back, and normally it's just you pass through customs and it's fine, but this one, it was different. It's giant of a man i mean he looked like he was an nfl linebacker i mean he had a gun but he didn't need no gun i mean he's a giant man he took my passport and he was real serious 
He was studying me real good. I had a goatee, but I didn't have a goatee in my picture on the passport. And he was studying me real good. He asked me a few questions. He was scowling. I mean, this doesn't feel too good. And then Mindy folded my passport back up, and he smiled. Handed me my passport. He said, welcome to the United States of America. I'm telling you, I was so happy. The way he said it made me so happy to be American. I want to just bust out singing the national anthem or God bless America or something, you know. I would look silly, so I didn't do it. But that's the believer. Traveling through this world. We're on our way home. We don't belong here. We don't belong here anymore. I belonged in Mexico. We don't belong here. We're on our way home. The ways of this world and the language of this world is not ours anymore. And one day, the Lord's going to call us home. And when we get there, the Savior, there's going to be no scowling. The Savior's going to smile. And he's going to welcome us home. And you think of all of our weakness and all of our failure here. And you know what the Savior's going to say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And we're going to want to burst out singing his praises. And it'll be all right to do it because everybody else is doing it too. (laughs) That's where we're going. And you remember that. That's where we're going. That will direct how you handle this world. It surely will. All right, here's the last thing. I've already kind of told you this. What is the end? What is the end of everybody in this commonwealth? Verse 21, back in our text, Philippians 3. We're looking for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now we who believe, we're still in this body of sinful flesh now, aren't we? We've got a, we're walking around with a nature of dead flesh we're carrying around with us. And we have two natures. The believer also has a holy nature of the spirit. We've got that dead nature of the flesh, but God's birthed us again. We've got a holy nature of the spirit. That nature that's been born into the spiritual kingdom. And having those two natures, that's what makes the believer miserable. Really, our misery ought not be the dumb stuff people are doing out there in the world. I got an own, uh, enough problem, this dead nature of the flesh I'm lugging around with me. No matter where you go, you're dragging that dead guy with you, aren't you? And you're in a civil war with him. The flesh and the spirit are fighting against one another. And it's miserable. It makes this journey miserable. But here's the good news. I got good news for you. First of all, if you got that struggle in you, it's good news. That means you've been born again. Somebody with just one nature doesn't have that battle. If you've got that battle going on inside of you, I got good news for you. You've been born again. God's birthed you again. And the other good news is this. This war, spiritual warfare, it's not going to last much longer. When the Lord calls us home, He's going to change this vile body into a holy body. Just like His glorious body. He's going to have our body and our nature match. Holy and righteous. Both of them. And we will be done with sin forever. 
And if we're alive and we remain till Christ returns in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to change this vile body into a body just like his. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Kind of hard to believe that's going to happen now, isn't it? When you look at this dead body, kind of hard to believe. But it'll happen. 1 John 3. Verse 2. Beloved, now, right now, are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we should be like him. For we shall see him as he is. When Christ returns, we'll see him as he is, and we'll be made just like him. That's the end of every believer. That's how it's going to end up for everybody in this commonwealth. I mean, try to think about that for a minute. I mean, I know we can't really enter into it because all we know is sin, but you think about no more sin. No more sinful desires. No more sinful thoughts. No more self-righteousness that you got to fight against. Just a perfect body and a perfect nature, just like our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in that body in that body that we will be with our Savior worshiping Him forever. Now that's your future if you trust Christ. Isn't that good news? Oh, that's so glorious. And if you know that's your future, you know that's how this thing's going to end up, that'll direct your path as you're going through this world here below. Just keep remembering this. I'm going someplace far better than here. <laughs> and just don't get too caught up. I mean, you've you got to be involved. You've got to take care of your life. You've got to take care of what God's given you. You've got to do what you got to do to supply for your family. But just don't get too caught up in things going on here in this life. It's just temporary. Governments are still going to do stupid things. Treat them just like I treated that newscast Brother Walter was watching. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. I'm, be a good citizen, vote, be a good citizen. But listen, who really cares? I'm leaving this place. I'm going someplace better. See, let your future direct your present walk. The glory, the how thankful we are. The, that'll direct our present walk. And here's another thing. Don't get too, too caught up trying to gain more of this world's goods. Now, you gotta have what you gotta, I mean, you know, you gotta have what you, what you need to live. I'm, you know, but just don't, just always trying to get more, 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 more. Cause I tell you what, though, just because of the nature that we got, we'll probably, number one, be selfish with it. And then it's just gonna be more of a burden to lug along as we go on this trip. You know, in the western expansion of this country, people traveled west on covered wagons. I mean, they either walked or they sat on a piece of board and rode in this wagon. You know, we watched, Jane and I watched a show about that one time. And she said, if we lived in, you and me wouldn't be going west. Our bike, neither one of us could take it, sitting on that hunk of board. You know, we just, and wood wheels. I mean, just, I mean, these people were determined to go west, weren't they? Well, when they got there, they wanted to make a nice life for themselves. So they took stuff. They loaded up that wagon. They took stuff. And they went over rough terrain. 
and they found the going was tough. And suddenly, that piano that they put in the back of that wagon went out. Them china dishes, they probably broke it anyway. They went out on the side of the road. That big old china cabinet. Well, I don't need a china cabinet. I don't have any china. This thing's it's going out. And they just left it right there in the middle of the prairie. They just unloaded it and left it. Somebody else come walking along. There's a piano. Just sitting out in the middle of the prairie. How'd that get here? It was too much to lug along. That piano was mighty important one day. But on their way, they found it's not all that important. That's the way we're going to end up treating all the stuff of this life. It's really not that important. Hope you have a piano if you want one, but you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, you know, it's nice to have stuff. I mean, I want, I want y'all to be comfortable. You know what I'm saying. It's this greed. It's too much. If I got to throw it away so I can go be with the Lord, I'll happily do it. I'll happily do it. It's hard to hang on to this life when you're hanging on to the next one. It's hard to get all worked up about the government of this life when we remember we're citizens of the commonwealth, a spiritual one in heaven. If the Lord will help us remember that, It'll make us thankful. It'll make us grateful. It'll, it'll make us gracious. That when you think about the grace and mercy of God to us, looking at those things, trusting in, I mean, I'm talking really trusting in those things for your salvation. That'll direct our steps here below. And that's what I want for me and you. See, I hope I preached that in such a way. I don't want you to feel I'm putting a burden on you on, on how to act. Look to Christ. The rest will take care of itself. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for your word, the teaching of your word. That no matter what subject we look at, no matter what page we turn to to read, the message consistently is look to Christ. He's all we need. He's our all and in all. Father, I pray you'd give us the faith to believe him, to trust him, to love him, to adore him, to cling to him. And cause that to direct our steps here below. That, that we might be a blessing and a help and encouragement to each other. Maybe you give us the opportunity to point some poor lost sinner to Christ our Savior. Father, it's for his glory. That he be glorified. Not that we get any recognition or credit. But that he be glorified. It's for his glory and his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.